I actually went through a really brutal process. Everything you knew yesterday is irrelevant tomorrow. I don't even know what you call this world that we live in right now. Everyone's going on strikes. There's still a war in Ukraine. There's the cost of living crisis. So you're going around the circle and it's like, I'm a scientist, I'm an engineer, I'm a doc, an eye doctor, which is coming very helpful, by the way. Um, niche. Very niche, <laughs> but when Sophia was getting... Today we have a very special guest, fellow Northerner, which I'm very excited about. My wife's going to hate me after this because I'm going to come home speaking very Northern. Sedge Beswick, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Um, before we get started and we jump into all the nitty gritty, do you want to just give a rundown of who you are, what you do, what you run, so that anybody who's listening or watching that doesn't know you can get to know you? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to work out who I am because I am... <laughs> who are you? I'm a, I'm a new me. I've come back, I'm day four from maternity leave. Um, so I'm mum, first and foremost. I was late today. I am never, ever late. Um, but that aside, that wonderful human being aside. Um, so yeah, I have worked in influencer celebrity marketing my entire career. Mm. Obviously, it was called something very different back in the day. Um, what and then was for, it called at the beginning? Like, What did they call it? It was all around key opinion leaders, which is obviously quite an Asian way now of yeah. like the key opinion leaders is what you kind of use. And then it went into like, bloggers vloggers youtubers um just opinion leaders was used quite a bit so yeah i've seen it called everything and i'm desperate for it to not be called influencer marketing uh, we oh. can get on to that because i love not when someone doesn't call it an influencer I, it doesn't make sense to me. I realised on maternity leave, whenever I met anyone like NCT groups I've, I've gone off piste already i'm sorry no no it's fine <laughs> also what do you think of NCT groups so <laughs> i really really struggled to start with yeah the first time and i really hope no one from the nct group ever listens to this <laughs> the first meetup that we went to i pretended that my daughter had had a poo so that i could spend like 15 minutes in the toilet because the concept to me of like if i go to i was really active with mari like i think from having like such a mental busy job yeah i was like out in selfridges on day three meeting a friend for like you know lunches and i was really confident taking her out and about but then going to a room or a table for a coffee, whatever, with everyone who's got a baby, mm. people that I don't know, why do I want to hear about your kids? Sick, shit, all of the above. So true. Oh, I just swore as well. No, it's fine. No, <laughs> I, I think we're fine, right? Yeah, no, swear away. <laughs> Off piece, swearing, <laughs> it's all going on. Um, yeah, whereas I was like, if I'm going for lunch, I want someone to hold my baby for like five seconds so that I can just have a mouthful of food whilst it's still hot. Yeah. But actually now I've got into a groove of it. I've got my like few women within the NCT groups that yeah. I get on with and really like. Like one of them's another founder. So I've like oh, found wow. it really interesting chatting to her. Because obviously you know no nothing about these people when you're put in a no. room. And all of you are like terrified because yeah. you're going, yes, please tell me what to do if my child chokes. Or like, <laughs> how actually do I put a nappy on to make sure that I'm yeah. not covered in poo? Um, so yeah, I've got, I found it tricky. Yeah. And now I'm getting in my groove my, with My NCTs. wife and I, Amy, we live in Cambridge now. So we used to live in London. We, we live in Cambridge now. And our NCT group was full of some of the most intelligent people. So you're going around the circle and it's like, I'm a scientist. I'm an engineer. I'm a doc, an eye doctor, which is coming very helpful, by the way. Um, niche. Very niche. But when <laughs> Sophia was getting prescribed eye drops, he was like, don't take those. Like oh, the, wow. the hospital will give you those because it's the cheapest, but don't you need these? So it was super helpful. But we were going around in the circle. They were like, what do you do? And we were like, we, um, we run a marketing company. And they were like, what kind? And we were like, we work with influencers. <laughs> like, I don't know why I felt it, right? that. Yeah. I said exactly the same. I yeah. work in marketing. And then yeah. when people probe and push, and I'd never really, I've always found influencer as a word 
crass. Yeah. And anyone who's like, I am an influencer, like anyone who is of influence has a skill set outside having a social following. So they don't call themselves an influencer. But what we do, what we do is called influence marketing. And I'd, I I just got on with it. And then when I'm in these new, completely new waves of people saying I work in influence marketing, I just Mm. wanted the ground to swallow me up. Yeah. Um, and I immediately felt judged. And again, similar yeah. things. You've got like lawyers, you've got, and I'm there going, yes, yeah, so I like this, this influencer, like put a unicorn t-shirt on and oh my God, they sold like 70,000, you know, like yeah. it's just. How did you describe it to them? Because one of the things that we, I still find so difficult with even just my family describing what I do. Yeah. They're like, how does it work? And I try and describe it and they just don't, don't get it half the time. How are you describing it to these new people? What I'm kind of going for, and I mean, again, I might, I might rusty, but I've kind of explained it as I help brands connect to their audiences through other people and their story, their content. Um, and it might be above the line. It might be just on a TikTok video, but wherever the brand's audience is, I help them connect to those people through people. It's a good way good way of doing it. I mean, it. it needs to be way punchier than that. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's quite a condensed yeah. way. I did it. Have you seen, have you been on chat GPT at all? This is the bit where I, you know, when I was young uh, and I worked at ASOS, people come to my desk and be like, right, so tell me what is Vine? Mm. What is Periscope? And I'd be like, right, here we go. <laughs> and now I was like, I can't, like someone is going to have to school me hard on the whole ship that I'm just out of it. We, we've, we, we're not using it at all yet, but it's, it's come into, it's infiltrated into the office and the team and they've started using it for like little things, but I got it to describe, I said, describe influence marketing to a five-year-old. And to be fair, it gave me a very concise, nice way. And it was like, Imagine that you've got a really big following and you're trying to sell toys to a brand. And it was like, did it really, really punchy? And I was like, I'm going to use that. That is great. Also, you didn't need to say that that wasn't yours. I've I've been doing some stuff lately and and like giving it to the team and seeing if they catch me out to see if if it is AI or not. That's incredible. No no one's caught me out yet. Yeah, it's really strong. But one of our influences actually very very um, apt for this conversation. She's doing a talk in the coming weeks about diversity in AI because when, and it's so true, once you ask it something, it's very, it's very much written for a white individual. There's a huge lack of diversity in AI, which you just wouldn't think is a thing, but it is like, it's obviously been written by that is incredible. You yeah, so never, she, ever think so of that. So she's doing a talk on it. So very interesting. But yeah, very off-piste. <laughs> Tell me about the scene. <laughs> um, yeah, so the business has been trading for nearly seven years, which wow. is why I look about 90 when actually I'm only 35. Not, not true. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and ultimately we work with the brands to make sure we do all of this properly. Yeah. Um, so we've obviously evolved and developed over the last seven years the same way your business would have and the talent that you've kind of taken on too. Yeah. Um, so we have a full production studio. We do... Um, our data suite, data team, uh, affiliate team. And our mm. our whole piece is around, obviously everyone says this too, like marketing jargon 101, but is making sure that the content does resonate with the audience, that it is shit hot, that it doesn't just need mm. to live on an Instagram post. It doesn't just live on a paid ad. Like it is so good. You want to distribute that content in as many touch points as possible. Yeah. And you know, you can't live in a little square on Instagram anymore within our world and what we do. Mm. So it's really kind of pushing and challenging our brands to think bigger and to think of all of the kind of different multi streams within marketing that you can see 
these faces that people know that they relate to that have they have influenced them mm. um and so you know we've done since upon a maternity leave we've done sneaker con for ebay we have put on we've used um influencers in above the line i can't now stop saying the word influencer <laughs> um in above the line campaigns and you know yeah. the rawness of that content when they're being used in above the line for the first time versus a model who does it all day every day yeah. the additional added value that you then get and that clout and that reach from the real emotive kind of aspect is huge mm. um so yeah that's how, kind of us. how did um how did you come up with the idea to launch an agency because i was watching some videos of you before you came in and you said you had no intention of ever going yeah. the agency side. No, I didn't. So like, how did the idea to then launch an agency happen? So I actually went through a really brutal process whilst I was pregnant that did I didn't go through with it. Um, mm. And the whole, I basically met a hell of a lot of people in this process. Mm. Um, from advisors to people that were looking to be our next round of investors, basically. And the one question every single person asked me was, tell me about your journey into entrepreneurship. And you're like, one, ugh, hideous, but whatever, I've got to be here and I've got to sell myself. Yeah. And I had no decent story. Really? To the point where if I was to do my time again, I'd have probably come up with a better story that I could then market around. Yeah. But honestly, I was working at ASOS. Yeah. I'd been at ASOS for five years. I'd always worked brand side. Um, working at ASOS for five years is like being there for 15 years. It is, it's full on like 16 hours, just constant people are messaging you. Mm. You've got to be on it. Um, and I was knackered. I needed, I needed a bit of fresh careerness in my life. That is yeah. absolutely the worst sentence that's ever come out of my life. Um, and I was actually interviewing for a talent role at Instagram. Right. And they, at the time, I have no idea anymore, but they used to do about 18 interviews. Um, so you do like 20 minute speed date blocks with people, which right. actually is really interesting because the concept was around on your first day, you don't feel like you know your hiring manager and that's it. You've got like a community of people that you've started to know that mm. you can kind of go to for different questions. And they do them in like hour blocks. So you can do like three interviews or sometimes they get other people in. Yeah. Anyway, side note again. No, I love that because so they get other members of the team to do it. Yeah, like, but wow. completely other areas of the business. Do you do that now with your company? No, because I feel like every time I'm interviewing, I'm trying to interview as quickly as I possibly can. So true. Yeah, I'm like, win a brief. And I'm like, great. But also like, where's the freelancers? Then yeah, and I, we yeah. absolutely should do it more. There yeah, should yeah. definitely be like a steering committee mm. for recruitment. Uh, and it gives me a flavor of the business and the people that work there. And you get a bit of honest truth. Some of it did feel a bit like role play because they've got the same questions that mm. they're asking you. Um, but anyway, the point being my last interview there was with a woman who used to be uh, Beyonce's manager uh, back in the day. And that woman ch genuinely, cheesy as hell, changed my life because I had met the investor um, that I currently have. And I'd met him for about 15 minutes in Shoreditch House because where else do people in London pick up investment, right? It was a bit of an accidental meet. He has a couple of agencies um, and one of the agencies was looking to enhance their data offering from an experiential perspective. Um, and I was like, oh, I'll, the founder of that business was like, chat mm. to him, see what kind of, if there's something you could do as again, a bit of a side hustle. Yeah. And I met him and, he, and this first question he asked me, he didn't ask me like how I was, what my name was. He was like, cool. So if you were me and you could set up any agency, what would it be? And I was like, I don't understand why there aren't enough influencer agencies. Like, this is what I do. This mm. is what I set up at ASOS. This is why it worked. He was like, cool, you've got a job. And I was like, that's weird. 
Um, and he was like, no, just take 24 hours, think about it, start. Mm. And at the time I was obviously interviewing, I definitely checked out of ASOS and my next interview was the next day. And a generic inf- interview question was, are you interviewing anywhere else? Yeah. So I said to this woman, Lauren, I was like, well, I've had this bit of a weird thing. Like this guy's just offered me the opportunity to set up my own agency. They kind of invest in people who are a bit weird and a bit nerdy about something they're really passionate about. And that for me would be influencers. And this is what I do. And she was, oh, she was, she's American. So I won't do her accent, but she basically <laughs> was like, girl, get out of this room. Yeah. She was like, say yes, you take that opportunity. And if it doesn't work out, this job will be here for you in three months time. Wow. Um, and like, that's the first time I've met her, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, great. Called this guy. I was like, let's give it a go. And yeah. in my head, when I set up the business, I was like, I'll do this for three months. I'll get it all set up. I'm not the type of person that can run a business. Mm. I'm so brand loyal. It, it's weird. Yeah. Like Nike, Dyson could tell you anything about it. Yeah, yeah. Also Kurt Cobain, if you want to go there, as we're taking so many weird yeah. sidesteps in this. Um Yeah. And so I set up the agency and the woman emailed me and was like, here's a brief. So like my first client was Instagram. And again, that woman, she doesn't even work at Instagram anymore. And I've actually tried to kind of, I didn't even know her surname. And Instagram was always like Lauren at. Um, So yeah, I I could never even really thank her and be like, do you know what, mate? You did me a solid there. That is incredible. So it is a good story. Is it? Yeah. I think sometimes I think we're all guilty of (laughs) imposter syndrome syndrome yeah, right like, yeah fair. i feel like other people listening to that who are now trying to start a business will find that super interesting because it's such an organic story it's not like i planned and did a business plan for six months and then was like i'm gonna go find investment and launch it it's like no i just took an opportunity that got fair given i don't to think me. the world works that way no i was actually saying this to someone really random um but like everything in life is about who you know not what you know 100 um my husband is Intel- the most intelligent person on the planet. But I always say he knows a lot about a little. Mm. And I know, no, is that the right expression? He knows, no, he knows a little about a lot. Poor guy. <laughs> I know, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, I was like, but I know a lot about a little. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. when it okay. comes to like working in influencers, working in social content, like I can talk for hours about this mm. stuff because I genuinely, genuinely believe in it, which is again why I guess when I got introduced to uh, Paul, my current investor, he was obviously like, oh, Right, she obviously does know what she's talking about and she is passionate and she is enthusiastic about it. Let's give it a shot. Mm. Um, And so I I always say to anyone who's thinking about setting up their own business or even their career, like your network is the most important thing. Mm. Your husband runs a business, doesn't he? You have fully stalked. Well, Amy and I do a bit of research. Well, Amy does a lot of research and she is top notch in terms of stalking. So like new boyfriends of her sisters, all that kind of stuff. (laughs) We get right down into the nitty gritty of it. So yeah, she's done- What's the weirdest thing you found out about me and my family? Nothing weird, but am I right in saying that your husband runs care homes? Uh, close. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he set up a business with his brother called Super Carers, which was around providing care at home. Right. Yeah. Um, and then at the start of the pandemic, uh, they got acquired by a large business that does do care homes. Right. And then they needed a service that was care at home because the pandemic, pandemic obviously changed yeah. the landscape aggressively and people yeah. didn't want their family members going into a care home when obviously things did not look brilliant in care homes. Um, And he still works for that company now. So we didn't find anything weird. Okay. So I think, think, no, I think you've got a very like clean online social media (laughs) profile. We don't go that deep, but what I was going to ask, what's it, 
what's it because I work with Amy who's my wife yeah so I've got like that experience of working with my wife but she's also another founder mm -hmm. which is really good to bounce off ideas off each other what's it like with your husband being another founder of a company and like knowing the you know the trials and tribulations of, of business yeah so there's lots of pros I would say the biggest con mm. is this is hard graft right yeah and when you, I find it really interesting when I chat to, you know, 20, 21 year olds and I do quite a lot of mentoring and they're like, yeah, I want to run my own business, but I'm all about balance. So I only want to work between like 10 and four. And I'm like, maybe I'm old. I don't think, I don't think it's going to work out because the hours that I have put into this business and now having a kid, I don't know how I'm going to do it. <laughs> like it's hard. I'm so glad you've said this because one of my pet hates with entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs at the moment, is so many of them who have already made it are sprouting this work-life balance story. You when can't. I know they've been doing 18 hours a day to get there and now they're like, you need to take balance. It's just like... It's maybe... easy to take balance when you've made it and there's cash in the bank exactly. and you can have a nanny and you can have a PA and, and you can, can have, have an have MD. All... And yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that isn't how it starts. No. That is not how it And it needs to be told starts. more because... Yeah. It, there's no, I, yeah, I might be old as well and I, I might be delusional and maybe it's easier these days because of technology and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. You're going to be working all day, every day until it's successful. So and even if you're not working, your brain doesn't stop. No. So then you don't sleep. No. Whereas I was actually saying, this is my first week where I'm getting into bed and I've got like emails circulating. I'm thinking about various bits and pieces. Mm. I'm doing research. Whereas I've been going to bed and it's like, one, two, three, four, five, yeah. once I caught. Because like, that's what I've been listening to all day. I've been playing nursery rhymes. And then all of a sudden this gigantic shift. Yeah. But again, I, we were talking earlier, like I was working one day a week in the run up to coming back this week. And I was like, I'll do one full day in the office on a Thursday. And I'll do Monday and Tuesday evenings mm. for the US because we've got two offices. Okay. You can't do the US no. when you've got a human being. Because as much as I want to put her to bed at 6.30 and, you know, five nights out of seven, that'll work. Yeah. Last night was brutal. She didn't go to bed till quarter to nine. So when I meant they meant to jump on a call at nine, when I haven't eaten, mm. haven't pissed all day, like you just, I'm frazzled. Have you got onto Cocomelon yet? I am trying my, like it goes in the pepper Pig category yeah. of avoiding that as for as long as I humanly possibly can. good. Is but, it? Well... When I say good, that might be an overstatement. But they, <laughs> the one pet hate, hate I have about it is they repeat the melodies for different songs. So they're so clever. Like whoever created it is a genius. But it, they repeat the melodies. So it'll be like, eat your peas or something like that. And then it'll be like, tie your shoes. And I'm like, I've heard this song before. And Amy's like, yeah, they're just repeating it. And I'm like... That's the same for super simple songs. Right. That's our jam in the house. I've not, not heard okay, that. Okay, so super simple songs will do exactly that, where the melodies will be the same. But you'll be like taking a fish to a baseball game and then the next minute you're taking an ant to a whatever. Um, so the same thing. You're, you've just got those tunes on repeat. Yeah. How does it... Because Amy said this when she was coming back. She was like... To, she she says her brain feels super dusty. Mm -hmm. Like it's like turning... It's like getting back into the gym for the first time after like being out for six months or something. What's I haven't it done been? that one bit yet. <laughs> I've squeezed into my jeans today. <laughs> what is it like... Um, I guess turning your brain back on to that, like turning that analytical business side of your brain back on, or did it, did it never turn off? So I, I really, really cocked up and I would never, ever, ever recommend this to anyone who runs a business. And again, it's easier said than done. My pregnancy, I was going through 
um, the round of investment that we didn't complete. Mm. And I worked harder during my pregnancy than I've ever, ever worked in my career. To the point where, obviously, me and my husband were arguing about it because, and this kind of goes back to the question, like, (laughs) that I definitely didn't answer. But, so yeah, I guess the negative of having a husband who's also Mm. been a founder is that you... I could be like, I just need to work tonight, pre-baby. And I'll be there at my laptop till 3, 4 a.m. And he's like, great, this gives me an opportunity to kind of catch up and do things. But to your point, there are a lot of positives. So again, when I was pregnant and you're getting like a 280-page legal document that you've got to fact check and you're knackered mm-hmm. and you can't sleep, I was like, you're going to have to do this. And his, he's got a completely opposite brain to me. Um, so like going through long documents, legal stuff, he just has a field day. Whereas I worked like 140 characters because I've worked in social for so long. Um, and so, so yeah, like coming back, my pregnancy was brutal and I did not, I should have pulled out sooner. Um, I absolutely loved the people that we were chatting to, that we were going to go with. I thought they would be fantastic for me and the business, but we ran out of time with the pregnancy. Like I was like, I am going to be here with a head poking out, signing some papers. And I was like, that's just not right. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. Um, <laughs> um, and then I, so that was like stage one. And I think because I was so busy in the run up to going on maternity leave, when I then got on maternity leave, my poor baby, I was like meeting people all day, every day, mm. because I was so used to being so busy. Um And I still kept emails on my phone, which was like fine because all my clients knew I was on maternity. My whole team knew I was on maternity. I was out of all of the groups. And then I got to a point in January where I was like, I get that I'm the founder of this business and I get that it's my name above the door, but nothing, absolutely nothing on earth is worth not spending time with my daughter. Mm. So in February, I was like, I don't care. No, I don't want to hear from anyone. And then I found it really interesting despite saying that, how many people kind of didn't really believe it. I was going to say, like, did they respect that? Uh, I'd say 50-50. I got messages being like, hi, I've run out of money on my work Plio card and you're obviously not using yours, but you get a text. So can I use your Plio card? I was like, absolutely not. Or you gave me a budget of X, but, and honestly, this was, well, you gave me a budget of X and it was a hundred pounds over. Can you approve it? I was like, no. Go to, go to speak to someone else. Well, everyone else is really busy. I was like, mm, I am a different busy. Yeah. And I've also told you I've yeah. got this new boundary. Yeah. But it was the best thing that I could do for me because I haven't now put emails back on my phone. Oh, even now? Even now. Wow. I don't think I'll ever do it. Wow. I would be the person that would, and I was doing it before. I'd wake up for a feed at 3 a.m. and yeah, I'd yeah. see an email. And, and like my investor works in a different time zone. And so I'd see something from him, even if it was positive, my mind would still then be thinking about it or like how I'd reply or, you know, what the next three steps are with that. And, and yeah, in February, I was like, absolutely no chance. I'm off. I'm off Slack, which is the devil. Um, (laughs) It really is. That noise. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I definitely feel rusty or dusty um, coming back. This, the world we live in, social, influencer, it all changes overnight. So everything, I always say this, everything you knew yesterday is irrelevant tomorrow. Mm. So you're naturally going to feel, and then I'm coming back, right, to, I don't even know what you call this world that we live in right now. Everyone's going on strikes. There's still a war in Ukraine. There's Mm. the cost of living crisis. There is redundancies everywhere. Mm. There is, so you're then trying to also understand 
kind of macros that are going on. The new on. ecosystem that you're coming back into. Yeah, like yeah. The, the world did not look, it was going this way, yeah, yeah. but we weren't in it. I was watching a video again, doing my research, um, watching a video of you and it was six years ago. I don't know if you remember it. It was like a 10 minute interview for the drum. Oh my God. And it, you just started like two days. You'd started seeing like two that days before. guy the... when I go, your hat's well sweaty, mate. And I was like, someone's going to edit that out surely. And they did. They left it in. But I was, I, you were talking about platforms and it was like Instagram and YouTube and like TikTok just wasn't even a thing. Like it just changes so quickly. So to come back in after that period of time even after six months, it must be completely different. AI is the big one. Like you've kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. immediately, you're like, yeah, this is what we're doing with AI. Yeah. And again, AI has been knocking around. Um, you know, again, like QR codes have been knocking. Mm. I used to work at three, the phone network, mm. and we had QR codes in our windows. They got ripped out. They're like literally like one person, which is probably the person who installed the QR code has used it. And then the pandemic hits and no one wants to touch a menu. Yeah. So everything is QR code. You're like, that technology existed, yeah. but the t timing is everything. Um, but yeah, so now AI, I'm like, cool, get my head in gear. My Amy was saying to me, you like, you've got to ask Sedge because I need the advice here. What is your plan for now balancing home and baby life and business life? Because to me, and Amy says this to me, she was like, you've got two babies. You've got Outreach and mm -hmm. you've got Sophia. And she was like, you're trying to balance those two. So what's your at least plan for balancing those things? It'd be interesting to do this again in three months know, and yeah, work out whether I've actually 100%. managed it. So step one is no emails on yep. my phone. And I think for me, where I'm trying to get to is if I am at home with my daughter, I am present. So if someone rings me from work, I'm not answering. And because that's my day and that's my time with her. And then when I'm at work, mm. I've always, like my superpower is that I work incredibly quickly. I mean, it's also my downfall because I make quite a few mistakes. Um, but I can, I, I like to back myself. No one can get through stuff the, as quickly as I can and kind of keep on top of it. Um, and I used to, I probably, one of the biggest mistakes, I think now the biz business has got bigger, I think we're about 70 people, is I was I always wanted to be approachable mm. to everyone. So, you know, I'd know the receptionist very like personally. I'd know the cleaners personally. I wanted to, I didn't want to be that kind of wanky, unapproachable. Yeah. I'm here and I sit in a room on my own. That was never and it's still not my style, but as the business gets bigger, you can't do that. No. And so I found when I've come back. You know, I've had people be like, great, I'm so glad you're back. I want to chat to you about where I get my career to in the next kind of X amount of weeks. And I was like, cool, now you've got HR or actually you go to your line manager. And it's not because I don't care. I absolutely care, but I have to make a choice. And I care most about Mari every single day of the week. And so I then, my time is better spent doing what I'm good at, which is going out, selling, talking about this space, where it's going to next, making sure brands are doing it properly. That gives the biggest benefit to the business and therefore my team. Um, and there's people who are better trained, better qualified. And so building out those different teams within the business to make sure that the default isn't said you'll do that, said you'll sort that. Um, and so at the moment, I'm actually hiring a UK MD and a, the equivalent senior vice president in the US office because you're like, I am... I'm taking Mari to New York for the whole of May um, to work. Yeah. And the nanny's coming with, the hubby's coming with. Um, but I can't do that when she's at school or when no, she's at nursery. So there has to there has to be aggressive, aggressive shift changes. How do you feel about that delegation though? Any business owner, it's always one of the key things to any success. Like 
how, I guess, what was it like for you to delegate when you first started and how do you find it now? Um, I had, when I first started, so I think she came on like day four of the agency existing, the most unbelievable human being, which was my first recruit. Um, she stayed with the business for five years and basically left because she was like, I've only worked here from uni. Like I have to go and broaden yeah. my horizons and, you know, find out what my career looks like if it's not a connects. And at some point, you know, I might come back, I might not. Um, so we, the trust that I have with Steph and had with her when we worked together was, and you know, I still speak to her all the time, yeah. was unreal. So I could always delegate to her because I knew she would get things done. And again, a bit like me and Daniel, me and her have completely different skills and, mm. and strengths. It gets way harder when you're a big agency and there's different, and people never ever care as much as the founder. Never. You could even give people, you know, a slice of equity and it's still not their business. They still no. didn't put in those hours early on. Um, and I definitely, I actually noticed it for the first time in January last year. I went to the US for four months, um, pregnant. Um, and that when I came back in my head, I was like, I've got this amazing team and everything will run. And I just didn't actually realize the things that I do mm. that are almost like silent things within the business. Yeah, they're intangible, right? Yeah. And I just assumed that those things would still run and they would still happen. And I came back and I was like, oh, this is actually quite good that I've done this before going on maternity leave mm. so that I can then put more robust processes in place to make sure that those things are delegated and they are picked up. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's tough. And I've got a very high standard, which you either love or hate. Yeah. How how different is the market hmm. and how difficult was it? And and a second bit of that question is, how important was it that you went over there to instill the culture of scene? If I had not had Mari, I would still be there now. Right, okay. Um, the US is a complete, we speak the same language, but we do not speak the same language. They love a founder. Um, so the more time that you can stay out there and actually one of our competitors, Ed from Billion Dollar Boy, he's just moved with his baby out to New York. Um, so I'd say the deal size is significantly larger in the US. So if you're thinking about scaling and you get your launch right, the US is fantastic, mm. but it requires the founder. It does. Um, and in addition to that, it costs so much money the legals the insurances the salaries everything just just multiply by five or six um so then you're paying for talent and you have to do a real expectation shift because what you're paying in the uk versus what you're paying in the us are so extreme in opposites um so yeah we we didn't we lost money in the first year but we had unbelievable clients that we were working with but you have to do a lot of work around the finances and that's not my wheelhouse, right? So no. you then also need to make sure that you've got that expertise that is localized expertise and knowledge. Um, but it's tough graft. And I worked on the US for five years while I was at ASOS. Um, so I was like, I know it. I know the market. I've got good relationships. Yeah. I know a ton of people. This will be ace. Um, and again, being in the UK and trying to do the US hours. Um, it's tough. It's tough. Very tough. Tough. And the US... People in New York in particular, they work long hours. So if they're emailing at 8 p.m. their time, they still want a reply. Um, and that's that's a big shift. Yeah. So right now when you're coming back into the business, are you not getting involved with, the, with New York until you go in May? I'm trying to do for April like 
UK right, and okay. 20% US. I still have my team there. So I still need to check in with them. I still need to make yeah. sure they're okay. I'm hiring yeah. the senior vice president. And then hopefully that person will be there in May. And I can do a lot of like training, onboarding, introducing them to clients, mm. giving them the ropes ultimately. Um, it's very I'll scary, isn't it? Yeah. And especially when I'm like, cool, these are my hours. I have a nanny. She works 8 till 4 p.m. Mm. So I'm working 8 till 4 p.m. And then I'll give myself an hour to kind of catch up in the evening. I'm not giving it three, four, five, six hours. Like I told you, Mari woke up from three to five this morning. Yeah. I'm wrecked. Um, and what I'm not going to do is then look after her properly if I'm too tired in the night yeah. because I spent too long working in the evening. Well, how are you interviewing? Are you interviewing remotely for, the, for this position in New so York? So we're using a recruiter, which right. also... Very expensive. Yep. Um, and we... Yeah, so we'll do first rounds via Zoom and then in May I will do seconds. Okay. The benefit of the US is a two-week notice period. Yes. One thing I wanted to talk to you about because it's very much your side of the industry is this consolidation of agencies. Mm-hmm. So obviously... Oh, good question. Just seen yeah. Goat get bought yeah. or acquired by WPP. Do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing for the industry that this is starting to happen? So I am, as I said, don't know how many times I'm going to say the same thing. I am on day four of maternity leave. I have had three smaller influencer agencies get in touch with me and say, I'm out. Do you want us? Really? Um, And I think... I think the kind of underdog, small, niche, bespoke agency that is standalone and specialist won't exist in 12 months' time. I agree. I think you have to evolve your offering aggressively to make sure that you're staying ahead. And I just, I don't think the staying in lane is going to work because everyone touches influencer, right? So you've got the big media agencies, you've got PR agencies, you've got paid media agencies, affiliate agencies. Everyone goes, I think I could give that a go. And they might not be doing it as well as a specialist bespoke influencer agency, but actually does the CMO care? And that's the person you've got to be talking to, but actually you're usually talking to you know, the senior social media manager, Mm. the brand manager, and they just need the numbers to look good internally. Um, And so when you can have those kind of higher level conversations, you can make more impact. But actually most of our briefs at the moment, we do work with other agencies. Um, But from a brand's perspective, you want one contact. They also want to get out, right? Mm. They don't want to be working all evening or have agencies that are wondering where the line stops and starts um, Mm. and that gray area. So yeah, I think those small influencer agencies won't really be here any years. But again, if you think about, I start my career in social media, there is, if you're a pure play social media agency, you do not exist anymore. Mm. You have to get into page. You have to get into above the line. You have to, you know, you had to evolve what you were doing and that's the shift we're going through. Yeah. No, I, it's, it, the, it's a preloaded question because we started as a very small brand agency, like my wife and I like doing little deals here and there. And we saw this function of everything's consolidating. Every brand thinks they can do influencer now. We're not going to be able to compete with the big dogs. There's no way. So we flipped to be talent, mm-hmm. but we always kept that want of launching the brand side again. Okay. Within the agency. So in July last year, we started hiring for those positions and we started to do more brand side, non-exclusive side. And literally this week, we've closed it. Oh, interesting. Be- because 
we just I actually didn't know that by the way <laughs> no, no, <it's> fine. <laughs> I haven't said it to be like no, no. it's um we we it was one of those decisions which sucks because it means a, a bit of a team is well a team is gone yeah but we were like if we're going to compete one from talent side we need to double down we need to just focus on being the best managers we can be with the best talent and frankly I'm not competing against the WPP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. There's, yeah, yeah, unless yeah. I drop millions into hiring an amazing team here, there's no way I can compete. I think that my, my, I guess, question and, and where I'm interested is, is it a good thing that it's being consolidated? Well, I'm going to make a point on something else yeah, you just yeah. said there. I, and this is my personal view, yeah. I don't think you should play both sides of the coin in influence marketing. No, and that's something I do want to talk to you about. Yeah, I don't think from a brand's perspective that it is right. No. So if my job is to not be biased based on the talent that I put forward to a campaign, I have to say, based on what you're asking me and what you want to achieve, this, this is your shortlist. They match up to your brand, their audience demographic aligns. This is it. It's the only way to get the best results. hundred percent. Right? Whereas when you then own, uh, not own, when you manage talent um, at the same time and you've got brand X saying, we're going to do this campaign with you, they will naturally put their talent forward. Yeah. And you can really see where things are ajar there. And then it gives influence marketing broadly a bad name because the results don't marry up or they don't match or you bullshit some vanity metric that means nothing. Yeah. Um, and so I really think I keep using the same expression, but like you should be the absolute best talent agency. Yeah. Let my side yeah, yeah, be that, the best. That's, brand exa- side. that's exactly the conversation Amy and I have been having over the last few months, which is like, I was saying realistically, Amy, like we can't compete against like Sedge. Like we just can't. And also, that's not what we do. Mm-hmm. We're talent managers. That's who we are. That That's what we love. And I heard you in another video I was watching saying like, you would never have the patience to be a talent manager in Couldn't that video. Yeah. And I was saying to Amy, that's the point. We're amazing at talent management. Why are we trying to push this team? And again, it's really rough because we had to let some people go. But why, why are we trying to push it when we know what our bag is? That's got to sound like very Gen Z there, and I'm not. Um, <laughs> very much not Gen Z. Um, I'm being around my team too much. Um, but we just had, we, you have to focus on the thing that you are good at. Yeah. And I, I am a little bit worried, not worried, but yeah, I guess a little bit conscious that if it does consolidate the industry, you'll have these few big players and they'll run everything. And if you're not in with them, you're, you're screwed, basically. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's the right thing to double down on. And this goes for any business. You have to know where your direction in my head, is. And this is so ridiculous. Michael Jordan yeah. could basically do any sport. He was a fantastic at baseball. He wanted to do baseball because that's kind of his dad's kind of core sport. But he would never have made it as a professional basketball player mm. if he'd done a little bit of a lot. Yeah. So he had to be focused. This is what I'm good at and I'm going to be the best at my game. Excuse the pun. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same for businesses, right? And mm. um, I was reading something yesterday where someone was like, oh, I was a new business manager and I didn't get to get involved in creative. I was like, cool, well, I worked at ASOS and I didn't get involved in design for product because I knew what I was good at. I knew where I made the impact for the business and that was my job. Mm. So just because a business is smaller or it's not a Nike or your name isn't Michael Jordan, you have to understand 
this is my skill, this is where I add value, and this is how yeah. I deliver that for X. And there's different ways to expand your offering, even within the business, while still doubling down. For example, we're really focusing on content creation for our creators and making sure we can offer that to them. That's why we've got Josh here. Yeah, but this is great. Yeah. We have a production studio yeah. for the exact same reason, yeah. because the output expectation has shifted. Yeah. And if you want your talent's content to live on TikTok only mm. or a little YouTube video at home talking about what's in my bag, you're not going to grow. Mm. Whereas if you can say to brands, actually, we can create the same output as your TVC that you were paying X amount for. Yeah. And we can actually own that. And we know the talent. So we're going to make sure they feel comfortable on set. We're going to make sure that the tone of voice, the language marries up, that it works. So we've got the editors, the videographers, the mm. motion graphic photographers, and they get wheeled in and out. And some we've got a, PS, a, a preferred supplier list. Yeah. Straight back into all my jargon. <laughs> um, for like, if it's a sports shoot, we know who to pull. If it's a still mm. shoot, we know who to pull. So we've got our core team. And I think that's an amazing, so again, we've, we've both got the same bit that we've plugged in, yeah. but we're becoming at it from our individual yeah. areas of expertise. You're making your con your talents, content stronger, mm. so they appeal more to brands. And at the same respect, we have we are making branded content through talent look better. And like who owns that will vary based on what the brief is or how that looks. But yeah, yeah like makes total sense. Bit of an off-tangent question. Sounds but like us. What? <laughs> What's happening with TikTok? What do you think is going to happen? You tell me. I just don't see how two political parties in the US are ever going to vote on the same thing. That's, yeah. that's my hope. Like, I'm hoping that that divide that everyone always didn't want is going to stay now. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that my, my, big, my big opinion on it is it's a very bold and big move to cancel a platform because then anybody is up for grabs. And I know that it's mainly the Chinese element of it, but it could happen to anybody. Yeah. Um, I think that what I what really upsets me about it as well is I actually think that TikTok would go, was going, well, it still is because it's not gone yet, but I think it was going down a, a YouTube route of expanding its offering mm -hmm. to creators, whereas I think that Facebook and Instagram didn't do that. Yeah. That's why it started to get eaten up and by other platforms, whereas TikTok, they were constantly trying to figure out how can we make this. Same conversation we were just having, yeah. right? Evolving, evolving, right? Yeah. So, I think it's a shame because I think that certain things, like for example, and not everybody loves it, but TikTok Shop, they stopped rolling that out in the US, so it's starting to have an effect on their offering. Or, or and I think that a lot of brands are going to start getting a little bit worried about not wanting to promote on TikTok because what happens if TikTok gets taken down? We've just wasted that money. We're seeing that. So, yeah, same here, and it's, and then. The positive in this is that creators are now listening to us when we're saying build other platforms. Yeah. We've always been at the agency that has said to people, it's great that you've got a big TikTok, but go and grow your YouTube, go and grow your Instagram, grow your Facebook, grow your Snapchat, grow whatever the hell you yeah, can yeah, grow yeah. because that's how you're going to have a sustainable career. Yeah. You're not going to have a sustainable career if you like double down, if you, if you will, on one platform. It's just never going to happen. I've always said that. So now they're listening, which is great. That. Yeah. It's, well, it's vital, right? Yeah. And can... also you look at, um, you know, Anthony Joshua yeah. has his own line. Mm. Sarah Ashcroft has her line. Galux has his own line. Yeah. Alice Living, fitness, I always say her surname wrong, has her <laughs> own fitness app. It is not enough anymore to be a person that has a TikTok account mm. or to be a TikTok, a person that has a, an Instagram account or a YouTube account. Like, what who are you outside of that single lane mm. and you've either got to as you say 
build your audiences across different channels. And I was thinking the pandemic, everyone was looking to social for escapism and entertainment. Mm. And what everyone was then producing and creating, you weren't going to Paris and showing your like lovely croissant and your beret that you've put on. So actually what was the content that was relatable to people that were sitting at home who couldn't leave the houses? And I think pe- talent really had to understand their audience. And that's like celebrity through to micro, nano, whatever mm. we want to call them. And that's that hasn't changed. And I think, like you say, something like someone, no one, no one would have ever expected a TikTok that might might drop and disappear in like yeah. X amount of time. So again, it's that constant reminder of you have to have more and you have to have different revenue streams. And that yeah. could be affiliates, that could be your own brand. It could be that you're an author. It could be that you, you know, public speak and you get paid because you've got a following, but you really have to diversify where you exist profile-wise. I also think that the, the thing that, has happened now with creators is and i don't want to say it was easy i'm not saying it was easy to any creator that's listening to this but it was i it was easier to grow your profiles during the pandemic so many creators yeah yeah whether, yeah. whether that's the effect of it's TikTok, easier to grow your business too <laughs> we are one of those uh we're a pandemic baby um so what but what's happened now we're out of the pandemic and because there's so much saturation in the market in terms of creators is you have to be so hot on your content of what you're actually offering like value Mm -hmm. that you're offering and being an expert in your field mrs hinch exactly great example and that's something that we're telling all our creators is like it's not enough to just be a great you know tiktoker that does dances or you know like even like a beauty creator but you're not talking about the products that you're using you have to be giving value and those it's also what the brands want because the brands don't want to just partner with anybody that's going to make some nice looking content if you will you have to be talking about those products and being an expert and i i I love that it's actually making creators level up their game do you do you have anybody that has their own socials on the side i'm gonna give two sides to this because josh and i were actually chatting to this when i was making you go and get me diet cokes because i'm addicted um so yes we have yeah and it has always 50-50, 50-50, sometimes it's like, oh, I've come with a different lens and, you know, I'm not really about, I'm trying to think about my career, not as a content creator. But the thing I'm finding super, super interesting, and I have never, ever thought of it, I was just saying to Josh, someone recently resigned, which actually probably happened like six months ago, and I've only just like heard about it. Um, but someone resigned and it was the most gorgeous resignation letter. And it was like, this was my first job out of uni. I didn't really know what I wanted to get into. I still don't really know what I want to get into but I'm on an entry level salary. So that's 23K in London. It might be 22K, but we pay 23. And I hope that hasn't changed. Uh, And I sit at my desk and I brief people on producing and creating this content. And and it was like this week, I've paid three people younger than me, 10,000 pounds for a campaign. They're like, so in a week, I have paid more than my annual salary they're like, this isn't the gig for me. And I don't, I've never thought of it because I'm just like, yeah, cool. We've got X celebrity, Y celebrity in this activation. That's the gig, right? Mm-hmm. So you understand the ticket size of what it is that you're paying for. And if you've got additional usage rights, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, oh my God, that must be really demotivating to be in your first gig. Irrespective mm-hmm. of age is irrelevant, right? Yeah. Like, I'm, how old are you? 28. Yeah. About to turn 29. 
you're a baby, right? But it's so, but you've hustled and you've worked hard yeah. and you've got your business and yeah. that's unbelievable. And that yeah. kind of, again, ties into what we were saying earlier. So it is slightly irrelevant because the the influencer, the celebrity, whoever it is, has also worked and built up their craft. Yeah. So even if they're, you know, the kid on YouTube who makes like 4 million a year yeah. in um, ad space, you can't, you can't say age is a thing, but I totally get if you're in your first gig and you're working your nuts off mm. and you've then got someone who's like, you, you're doing these deals and these contracts, like influencer marketing from that perspective is not going to be for everyone. I, well, we, I have thought about it because a lot of the team will be like talking about creators and what they're getting paid. And they're like, I can't believe they've just made, you know, 20K to do one TikTok on a, you know, on a shoot or something. That's like nearly my yearly salary in one go. Yeah. I think the thing that I find difficult, and maybe I'm, I am showing my older age now, even though I'm a baby, as you say, <laughs> is I do think there's a there's a thing now where if you're if you are younger, I think there's an expectation that you should be able to grow quick, mm -hmm. and I, I really see that in our younger members of the team, and I, and I love them all, and I, and I love that they've got that because it means they want to hustle, but I do think there's an element of you need to earn your stripes. I also think when you see these creators getting paid all this money, my thing is, well, you go do it then. You go make that profile and, and post constantly because I'm not saying that it's the hardest job in the world by any means. 24-7 growth, but it, though. It is, it is yeah, difficult. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's filming, it's ideas, it's editing, it's you know engaging with your audience, getting hate online. Like It's not easy. It's yeah, not an yeah. easy gig. So my thing is like, go and do it yourself yeah. then. I obviously have never done it for myself. Yeah. And that's not my thing, but when you, when I started at ASOS, I was the first person in their social media team and I wrote the captions. I took the pictures. Mm. I have edited videos terribly. I have, you know, ran around the buyers and said, you know, what's dropping next week? Can I get yeah. a picture of it? Can I do this? I've spoken to the Nikes and I've got samples sent in. And obviously now, if you look at a social media team, in order for it to work properly, you've got a videographer, you've got a photographer, you've got an editor, copywriter, mm. whichever level you want to do it. You've got yeah. an intern sales like um, bod running around, making sure that you're, because, and you've also got the demand coming in. So you kind of need, and when I left ASOS, the team was about 32 people. So half of those were, um, they're not, they weren't called influencers there either, but like insiders producing, creating yeah. content for the brand. But I had someone whose job was editorial. They were making sure that everything was subbed. They were making sure that all of the talents feeds were subbed. They were, we then had someone that was producing the content and booking in different videographers, photographers to then distribute that content across their channels. We had a runner, full-time runner who would order product, who would go and sit on desks of buyers to make sure you get it. Like, and uh, that, I think that was one of the most fascinating things when I set up the agency was going into other businesses that were, you know, profit-wise, the same scale of ASOS. And they're like, yeah, so I'm one person, the social team. I was like, oh, I thought I was coming here to like tell you about what's next. But yeah. in order to do that first, I need to scale up this bit here yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I, I, going, just going back to the, to the aspect of young people in the business and then them seeing these kind of fees come in. What was your reaction then to that resignation letter? She's gone and done a completely different gig industry completely. in completely different industry completely different kind of world yeah irrespective i take every resignation personally yeah every resignation do you remember the first time someone resigned oh do i remember the first time someone oh my god this is actually quite funny because she's currently <laughs> back in the business um so i had a freelance so not the same but yeah. um data analyst emily and she'd been with us 
is I don't know if you do this. You bring in a freelancer and then they basically just never leave because yeah. they're so good. You don't. Yeah, yeah. And um, so Emily probably worked with us for about a year and a half, and then she had that. We were her first freelance gig. Mm. So I remember her saying, you know, I'm only going to be here for a bit because I want to go and work out freelance and work at multiple different businesses and like work out what my like niche is and what I want to do. And uh, oh God, if I had emails on my phone, I'd find it. Her resignation letter and the back and forth that her and I had, it was literally like, I love you so much. I love the business. It's nothing personal. I can't do this face to face because I'll probably cry. And then I'm like, oh my God, I'm crying on the train back from Liverpool where I've been with a client. I love you so much. Please come back to the business. Never leave me. And it was probably like a month later she was doing, you know, some ad hoc bits, not in the office full time. Mm. Um, And when I went on maternity, I was like, mate, off the bench, you're back for us because I really wanted people that I knew and that I trusted and mm. hands down, like you, we've actually had quite a few boomerangs, people coming back to work for the business and you never ever forget someone that you worked with that mm. made such an impact and you would have them back all day long. Why do you think you've had so many boomerangs? Because like, that's not a regular thing thing for companies, right? It's trending on LinkedIn at the moment. Is it? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because people think... maybe think they, they've got, you know, the grass is always greener somewhere else. Exactly, exactly. And I think you had the great resignation and... I also think at the moment, like, there's so much insecurity around jobs, full stop. 100%. Um, and, I mean, I probably shouldn't say this either. I had a board meeting, I don't know, two weeks ago. I said to my husband, I'm just going to prepare myself mentally. Like, they might be getting rid of me. I've been off for six months. And he was like, you're nuts, but, like, sure. And that wasn't. I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was like, but it's, it's mental out there. Like you don't, you don't know what to expect. And mm. I think when you're, I will always, always rehire someone that made an, a positive impact on the business. Yeah. Um, and if someone enjoyed working there and it just, they wanted to go and do something else, try something else, mm. you know, one of the boomerangs went and set up her own business in events and then the pandemic hit, oh, she's back. Uh, what a time to set that up. I know. Um, you know, like Steph, who I talked about earlier, I'd hire her every single day of the week. Yeah. Um, and again, it comes back to what I said first, your network, right? Um, keeping in touch with those people, maintaining those relationships. It also goes back to what you were saying that no one's ever going to care about the business as much as you do. So if they go off to go do something else, well, of course they will, because it's not their business. Like yeah, they yeah, want yeah. they want to go try other things. We've we've not had it with em- any employees yet, but I think that's probably because we're very new. Um, but we've had it with uh create like talent on our books who have been like i'm gonna go try a different management and then they've come back because they've seen what that is and Mm -hmm. it is just it's like a (sighs) i told you so kind of thing yeah 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 it's so nice to 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 have that experience also they've got to go they've got to go to a new manager they've got to go to get they've got to get to know each other they've got to build that rapport they've got to build that trust Mm. and that that takes hard graft does so then when you're the new person you know, on one of your competitors' rosters, yeah. and they've got this other talent that they know really personally, and your gig, you know people very personally. Yeah. Um, I speak to talent more than I speak to my wife sometimes. <laughs> like, honestly, I do. This is something that I really wanted to ask you. This, this better be good off that this isn't. This isn't for, like, the podcast. Nobody else is going to care about this, but it, I just, I need to know this. What, for you, makes a good talent manager when you're dealing with them? Like, what... If from a brand side, because I'm always fascinated at this, like what? Oh, what, what? so I haven't actually been that done. I probably haven't done any. I still keep my relationships with various different talent managers. Yeah. Um, but I haven't, I haven't done a contract or a negotiation for probably like six years. <laughs> um, 
I'm just not the best person to answer that. No, right. Next Sorry, question. you got no, so no. excited too, and I just shat all over I just, that. I wanted to know, like, I always like speaking to the other side and being like, what makes us better? And what can we be doing to make us better? I know what the, we find the most frustrating is yeah, like people it. who go back and forth for the sake of going back and forth. Mm. Just to be difficult. Just to be difficult. Yeah. And then you end up agreeing on the things anyway. My, my only bit would be there are certain talent management companies that if we can we will try not to work with because we know notoriously it's going to be hard. And that's not... I'm really worried this is us now. I wouldn't be here if it was, would I? Um, And it's a small industry. Yeah. We're all human beings. Yeah. We're not saving lives. So like... Yeah, someone in my team said it's it's PR, it's not ER. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah, it's exactly it. It's exactly it. So like, be nice to each other. You don't ever know where people are going to go to. Um, and I think one of the things that we have, which is, I understand is very frustrating your side of the fence. Mm. We have two clients in particular that would today brief us on something that they want to go live next week. Mm. And So speed is key. Yeah. And they always have good budget. So that's not the problem. But every single time the talent think that they were chosen second because someone pulled out Ooh. and they weren't. But we, so we, we can, we can move as quickly as the team move. And I think, again, it's one of the business's strengths is we can turn things around quickly. We don't want to, we'd love to have lots of planning time and strategy Mm. and la, 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 la. But sometimes if you've got to get something done, you've just got to get shit done. So interesting. Cause we, we tell one of my favorite creators on the books, I won't say who, but, but they're they're one of my favorites because of their speed. I know that I can send them a brief and they'll do it today. Like I know they'll they'll do that. Whereas it makes your life easy, right? So much easier. And, and some of the other managers in my team are like, oh, I wish that all of my creators were like that. But I say it to the creators on our books all the time. If you can't turn around content quicker than other creators, you will not get repeat business. Yeah. People will not, or you you are more likely, and one of these creators that turns around content all the time gets the repeat business because those brands and those agencies know 100%. they'll get it tomorrow and it'll be 100%. and it'll be good. It won't be rushed. It'll be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's why going nicely back to this influencer word, they're not influencers, they're content creators and they love it. And that's why people who actually love making content and who are content creators will always outperform yeah and yeah, have a yeah, sustainable yeah. career over the influences yeah. of the world so speed is a one that i need to keep the reiterating thing that is actually this is a talent versus a talent manager yeah. but it's when you're sending something to someone's house and you're like just so you know mm. it's going to arrive between 10 and 11 yeah. and it might be something expensive so it might have to be signed for mm. we had one person they worked with us on two campaigns and the same thing happened but on one of the campaigns eight attempted deliveries, which obviously then has a knock-on effect of the deliverables and the timings. I, I kept forgetting. You're like, no, this is a job. Forgetting what? That it erupted, to it stay coming. in the house to get the delivery. <laughs> um, and you're just like, this. no, this is a job. You're being yeah. paid. There is a service level that you also have to contribute as a creator. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I remember the team, like sometimes I'm just like, so tell me, what's going on? Because you can see it when you're just like, oh God, I'm doing my best possible yeah. job but why am I rearranging a delivery or a courier or whatever it was that they were doing? You're like, this is, this is not, this is the grunt work where we should be working collaboratively to just get it delivered and for you to do your part of the gig. hundred percent. And it's, it's also actually quite interesting because I think a lot of people come into talent management and think it's all going to be dinners, lunches, events. It's not, it's It's organizing packages for the, for the eighth time, half, (laughs) half the time and negotiating and sending email after email after email. It's not all fancy, fancy trips. Um, two questions I've got before we wrap up, because I'm asking it to everybody. One, what's your 
biggest and biggest takeaway and learning for starting a business and um, that you'd wish you'd known before you started? A fantastic question. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean that. That sounded condescending. I meant it. <laughs> My biggest takeaway, God, um, it'd been really interesting to ask me this question pre and post baby. Mm. I, I guess it's what I said already. If you're going to set up your own business, do not expect it to happen overnight. It takes hard graft. It takes dedication. It takes sleepless nights. It takes thinking it's going to fail more times than you think it's ever going to succeed. Um, so mentally prepare yourself and make, you can't do it unless you're at the right timing of your life. I could not set up mm. Connects now. Mm. Um and again, maybe when Mari's at school and, you know, I could have set up Connects yeah. when she's five and there's school and I've got my hours and I've got my new rhythm. But if you think it's going to happen overnight and you think it's not going to be hard graft, it's not It's not for you. That's why you, you can't give up after a few months of trying doing it. So many, that is like the story of so many people starting businesses is they try it for a few months and like, didn't work. It's like, it didn't work. It just started. I mean, I did do that too. I had a t-shirt, but slogan t-shirt business and we had one line and we had, I think we had 400 it was said, it was all basically like social-esque stuff. So, and one of them was duck off because the autocorrect. And it got worn by two influencers that I seeded to. This is like eight, nine years ago yeah. now. And we had, I did it wrong to start with. So we actually bought the product to start with. Mm. Um, so we had 500 units and we sold 500 units. It was either four or 500 units in 24 hours oh, from wow. these two influencers. And I was like, I've made it. Yeah. I've got my own fashion business. <laughs> um and then one of the lines sold all right. One of them sold pretty averagely. And then I had like so many t-shirts that all went to like a jumble say, sale. What did you do? With them? Like, what's it called? Like a car boot sale. Car boot sale. Uh, there were two. Yeah, isn't it jumble sale? Isn't that American? Maybe. Go been to America once. Been in America once. quite a lot. Um, but yeah, I had two lines that we did not sell. Yeah. I can't remember what they are now because it's so long ago. Um, and I got to probably about three, four months of this business trading. I was like, I'm out. This is really long, but thank really God boring. It did fail in a way because yeah, I probably learned. Quite it, you learned, but also seen might have not. If that had gone even okay, might yeah, never yeah, have started yeah, yeah. seen. Correct. So correct. Here we are. That's uh, a nice segue into my last question, which is because I want everybody to come away from every podcast, every conversation, feeling positive. Okay. What is your one tip for keeping a positive mindset? What is my one tip for keeping a positive mindset? I would always say, and this kind of maybe contradicts what we were just saying, but if you don't enjoy it, stop. Yeah. Because the, it isn't right for you. And there will be something that will land with you, that will resonate with you, that would give you complete and utter joy. And I mm. genuinely, it's hard. And it's really hard when I'm trying to work out and navigate mum life as mm. well as, you know, work baby life but I enjoy what I do and yeah. that makes me good at what I do. Whereas, you know, I've tried my hat at other things and it ha it just hasn't felt right. Yeah. And I haven't been good at it and I've been unhappy doing it. Mm. You should, isn't it like an expression of like, if you love what you do, you'll never do work a day in your life. Yeah, Which I think is bullshit because there's lots of stuff that I love doing. I love running a business, but there's a lot of stuff that I don't love doing about the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. I, yeah, I but again, if saying. you think about, where we were talking about earlier, like it's hard, but then you scale and you bring in those expertise. You th should, in theory, kind of get to yeah. that point. Um, and so, yeah, like if you're not enjoying your job, you don't yeah. have to set up a business, your job. Yeah. 
find something different because the right thing, the right company, the right culture, the right dynamic will bring you joy and it will be worth you leaving your house to mm. when your kid's there and you want to hang out and because you also get that joy from a different part of your brain and a different part yeah. of your kind of like psyche. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a, a negative of like, quit your jobs, people. Uh, maybe not in this market. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think you should always love what you do. Yeah. So focus on finding your positive positivity at work and work with good people. Amazing. Said you are inspiring. You're a superwoman for having a baby and running a business. <laughs> I don't know how the hell you do it. Thank you for coming on. No, thank you so much for having me. Amazing. Like I say, it's good to have a little northerner. To fellow northerner. Fellow northerner to go back and forth on. <laughs>